Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Happy to a new week. How's everyone doing? How are you doing? Literally, seriously, I'm not just asking to ask it. I'm asking, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. And if you're not, I hope you're finding ways to get through it. I have... <laughs> I'm, I'm finally back in South Africa. And this last week has been a, a lot of impromptu collaborations. One dealing with uh, me spending a day in London with my good friend Kelly and then uh, getting to the airport to check in to come to South Africa and being told that I cannot because I've been told I got the wrong COVID test. So then I spent the next 24 hours getting in a new COVID test. But then also I got to meet some really amazing co-collaborators along the way, along my impromptu journey. A woman that worked for Virgin Atlantic that was so kind and so wonderful bent a couple rules so that I could be expedited to get my COVID test and it was beautiful. And then I had the opportunity to meet uh, my cab, my Uber driver, Faroon, who ran into his cousin and for the first time in seven years and just needed a moment with him. And since I was in no hurry, because my flight was not leaving anytime soon, I was able to just sit and observe the two of them catching up over coffee and it was so beautiful. I'm really hoping that you all have had some of those beautiful moments in your life this last week. I'm so excited this week to share a conversation that I've been holding on for a little while. I wasn't sure when we were going to present it, but this week was my birthday week and in Catalina Bailey's story, she talks about an activity that she did for her birthday a few years ago. And it really is just perfect because it gets into this conversation about facilitators that we really need to get into. We often underestimate the importance of having a good unbiased facilitator. First, I want to tell you a little bit about Catalina Bailey. She is a professor at Madison College. She has two doctorates. She is a founder and, and owner and lead facilitator of Step Up Equity Matters in the Workplace in Madison, Wisconsin. She's always full of surprises. She has an amazing sense of humor. And she's one of three people on this planet that I would choose to facilitate with in a heartbeat. This conversation, as I mentioned, we talk about facilitation, but right off the bat, we get into what kind of society do we want to leave for our people? She specifically is talking about her daughter. And then we get into delegation and communication and <laughs> Even when delegation is done right, how communication and precision of words is necessary, and this story about empanadas really brings it out. And then there's, you know, the assumptions of, oh, I know this, I've done this a billion times, but have I? We learn about that, and, and how much fun can we have with miscalculation? Because sometimes in our collaborations, it's not done the way that we want to, it's not the anticipated outcomes. But it's beyond the anticipated outcomes, and so can we have fun in that miscalculation? There's so much in this conversation, as there has been in all these so far, but I'm really excited for you to dive in. So, no more time here. Let's get into it. Catalina Bailey. 
Okay, already ready. it's a beautiful sunny day here in Madison, and I'm sitting with my one of my good friends, Catalina, and one of the people in life that I love to facilitate with more than anybody <laughs> else. Oh my gosh. And so uh, I brought her on to invite her to tell a story about when she was working with people with a common goal. First, I want to know, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited. I just love being with you. <laughs> you know, just having such a great afternoon already, you know? Right. Hello, Jose. Um, well, my name is Carolina Bailey. I am a, a professor at Madison College. Um, I am from Colombia. I love uh, the sun, so that's why I'm super happy we're here next to a window. I, I do a lot of work, um, especially at, at my, um, where, uh, you know, my son college for diversity and inclusion, and, and then I teach Spanish. Who am I? You know, those <laughs> profound questions. Uh, <laughs> so, um, okay, so I am um, one of the um, co-owners and facilitators for uh, Step Up Equity Matters. Is um, something that I, uh, when I started in, in Step Up, it was um, something that I really wanted to do out of, out of love, honestly, out of love. Uh, it was because that, um, you know, like I have my daughter and I was wondering, God, what kind of society do I want to live for my daughter? And I was just, you know, seeing so many injustices happening and that I have to live through. And I was like, it's, I need to live something better for my daughter. I can't just, cannot just leave society as crappy as it is for my daughter. Like, if this thing has to get better. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's why I became part of the owner and, and I did a lot of presentations for a step up. Yeah, and I love my team, you know, well, Tanya and Amy, and presenting <laughs> with you. Oh my gosh, um, it's been a while for that or since we have presented together. Uh, listeners, are you ready to find out what story she's going to tell? Because it could be anything. <laughs> As you've heard in this quick little like share about herself, Carolina has a lot of background and a lot to share. So okay, what is so, your story about? Well, <laughs> well, since this is, you know, about collaboration, I wanted to talk about one day that my friends asked me, Carolina, what do you want for your birthday? And I was just like, you know what? I want us to cook empanadas. <laughs> I want empanadas for my birthday. And we had like, okay, you know, like, and they are all Colombians. So we're like, oh my God, yeah, what a great idea, empanadas. And we can starve the whole day so that we can just like pig out an empanadas. Starve the entire day. Yeah, starve the entire day. So we're like, okay, okay. So we're like, okay, one person is going to do the masa. Masa is the thing where, uh, you know, where the, that, that covers the, corn, the empanada. Yeah. yeah, the corn thing. Um, and then it was like, okay, one thing is going to, uh, one person is going to buy the potatoes and the other person is going to buy the, the beef. And we're like, okay, how many empanadas are we going to make? We're like, okay, well, it's only this many people. So let's plan like 30 empanadas should be more than fine. And we're like all excited, you know, like, okay, each one has a task. Each one, you're going to do the masa, you're going to do the beef, you're going to do the, the uh, ahogado, which is kind of like the onion and the tomato and 
and another person is gonna do the beef and we're just gonna bring it all together into our friend's house and we're just gonna put it, you know, do the empanada and then fry it. Right, sounds like, like a plan, very <laughs> organized. What we didn't account for is that none of us have really made empanadas before so and it looks so easy <laughs> like, right. because we just always buy them you know so we're like oh we can do this right. we, we have seen our moms and, and aunties do it like come on we right. can do this it's like getting a boxed cake and just adding <laughs> egg, or adding water and eggs <laughs> it's like come on you know so then when we got into our friend's house <laughs> then we have that I have done so many potatoes and my other friend has done so much beef that it was like for, I don't know, like so many empanadas. <laughs> <laughs> so our friend that was doing the masa, she was the one that kind of like know how to make empanadas and when she got there she was like, what the hell? <laughs> we talk about 30 empanadas. <laughs> we're like, well, this is, this, this is for 30 and they were like, she was like, no. This is, this is for at least 150 empanadas, what you just did. <laughs> so we're like, well, so like, well, it is my birthday. So we are all day free for doing empanadas. <laughs> so we are just there hammering on the alcohol, you know, like, and it's like, okay, just trying to do empanadas. And my friend's like trying to teach me also how to make the masa, you know, and I was like, I don't think I can do it. I'm a little bit tipsy. So just you focus on the on the mass and I just focus on the on the feeling. And I'm a little bit tipsy. <laughs> a little bit tipsy. <laughs> so so then uh, we decided then to make the you know, kind of like okay, let's let's see how many empanadas can we get. And we started like at two in the afternoon. It was freaking nine PM when we finished. We did it was close to 200 empanadas. And we were just going for 30. And then after we are done with 200 empanadas, we're like, um, what do we do with all of these? <laughs> it was like so many for so many, for so many. Well, we're like, okay, let's start calling people. <laughs> so we're just calling people like, do you want empanadas, yes or no? Yes, okay, give us the address and we'll just pack them in Ziploc bags and we'll just give, give the empanadas away to whoever we could think of. Because it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was the total, you know, like miscalculation of it that I think it made it more fun. That we tried to have a great time and at the end it was just total mess. Our hair smelled like grease, our clothes. <laughs> It was, you know, our hands were all just like dried up from just doing empanadas. God, it was just, but it was a lot of fun. It was, a, I, re I remember eating, no, pigging out a lot. Not oh. eating, just pigging out and stuffing myself with I empanadas. I can only imagine. Like, oh my God. Oh, this looks good. And then before you know it, you've eaten four empanadas. And yet you're still, because hour six, you're still eating empanadas. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, like, when you have, like, an empanada that doesn't cook really well, we're like, well, we cannot give that away, so then one of us have to eat it, so we were just, like, eating and eating. I think, 
I don't know. I think that Tadia Pura like, will have eaten like 12 empanadas. And that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I can do two to three. Mm. And that's a lot. Yeah, and that is without counting the arroz that goes with it and, and the ají that goes with it and plantains. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, we made it at home. It was, it was a lot of fun, but since then, we have never made empanadas again. <laughs> we were done. We were done. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wait, there's so much in the story. So much. <laughs> my first question is, what from your story can you directly align with collaboration? With intentional collaboration? I think the fact that um, we knew what we wanted to do. You know, well, apart that I said, you know, I want empanadas for my birthday. <laughs> you know, but that we were all intentional about, okay, oh, empanadas. We need this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient. We were like organizing in such a way and dividing the task. Who's going to do that? Because cooking at the same time, it will have taken way longer. Right. Yeah, but it was like, okay, you bring your part done and your part done and your part done and we just assemble and we're good. <laughs> you know, so I think that the intentional part was getting everyone into getting their own task together. Right, I love that so much because often when I'm working with a group on collaboration or like supporting them, uh, they don't, groups don't always realize I, what I call the bust ass time. Mm -hmm. It's the time when you don't communicate with people, you know what your task is, and you just do it because you don't need assistance, you don't need, and in your situation, so-and-so was doing the meat, so-and-so was doing the, the potatoes, potatoes you know, like, so I love, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to show up with this already ready. I busted ass, and now I'll show up to when we meet, so I love that. I also love about your story, and the, a big lesson is, ask an ask expert. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yes, you know, like do not, definitely like not assuming that because I have seen it and I have seen how it is done, then it gives me an idea, totally backfired. Right. Because we have seen it, or I have seen it many times, and my friends have seen it a lot of times, but again, not having an expert there, totally messed it up. Right. So. Oh, and how many times, I mean, just you and me together, in different scenarios that we've been in together, we see boards assemble or groups of people assemble that are mission focused to something, but they haven't addressed, they haven't brought on the people who the mission is directed to. Or like, oh my God, yes. You know, like so many times, you and I just had a conversation about this recently. Yep. You know, and like, okay, you are, you know, if you're addressing, you know, elementary schoolers, you majority of those people doing that better have elementary school students <laughs> well but you know like so you know like when you're mentioning that sometimes in education people it's like well these policy makers are they actually teachers have they have the teaching background for them to understand what's going on in a classroom you know it's like yeah so it's kind of like bring the person the experts that need to be on the board to be on the board right yeah and in this case like empanada maker will be great <laughs> Right. So next time you're doing a collaboration, make sure someone has some expertise in that collaboration. Um, I also love, like, just, your story is a great example of just delegation. I know I just talked about the bust your ass moment, but also just the democratic delegation of it, you know, because sometimes that's hard. And because you're a facilitator and because someone had to facilitate those delegations, I want you to talk about your feelings on the importance of having an unbiased facilitator. 
I think I think it is important because well, let me backtrack a little bit. <laughs> In, well, talking about facilitation, yes, you know, having a, an unbiased facilitator, I think is very important because you have to have what I will say someone grounded that is going to be able to help the discussion move forward or the project move forward in a way that everybody not only feels comfortable but kind of like not too comfy because you know comfort zones and all that are not that great for projects um, but kind of like that feels that we are all able to, contri to contribute in a positive way and that is able to contribute in a the word I'm looking for is meaningful <laughs> meaningful way yeah in a meaningful way right I think that that is very important well you're making me think right now about the facilitator with the with the empanadas and for me it's kind of like when I'm looking at bigger projects also is being able to tap on the facilitator being able to tap on the persons or on each member of the group interest and skills to maximize that in the project, right? Will you say that again? These Pink Floyds in the background, <laughs> and I think we need to repeat that. So, no, what, what I said is that um, when working in projects, I think it is very important to have a facilitator or a mediator that is able to tap into each member of the group into each member's skills and interest in order to move the project forward in a successful way. See, listeners, didn't that need to be heard twice? That was really powerful. <laughs> that was really powerful. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking because if we will have assigned certain projects to someone that is not, like they didn't know how to cook, for example, we have totally messed up the beef. <laughs> and you don't mess up the beef for an empanada. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's kind of like, you know, and, and my friend, she's really good at, you know, cooking meat. God, she's great. You know, so we're like, it was like, well, you cook the meat, right? So I think, I think that that's, that's, that is making me think about that, that you have to tap into, in this case, you know, per, uh, the person expertise or their interest or whatever it is that their forte is to just maximize it and get it done. Right. Now, I want to go to the end of your story because I think that's important too. <laughs> we often talk about when collaborations don't work or like miss the mark and they don't obtain, like they don't reach the goals or the objectives. But your story, you went, I mean... Way above and beyond and, and more over there. 300% plus empanadas. <laughs> oh what is making me think about right now, about, you know, talking about collaboration, the fact that we went so over, but that we were able to share it with other people, right? right? I think that it made it more meaningful to us because then it didn't become just about oh, it's Carolina's birthday, let's just, you know, do the empanadas because she wants to. We were having so much fun in the process that we wanted to share the outcome with other people. Right. You know, well, apart that we were being stuck with 300 empanadas, you know, <laughs> but, but it was about like, like spreading the joy, right. I would say. And I think that made your birthday even better, you know, like it and just unforgettable. Really, unforgettable, <laughs> you know, right? And so um, the 
when something goes really, you know, I think about it the first year that I did the Bloody Mary Fest for one of my clients. And, you know, our goal was small. We picked it up from where they left off. And, you know, we were going to have 500 people there. And before we knew it, we had 1,100. You know, and that was the first year we had to change venues. And, like, and the creativity that goes into, you know, going past your goal. You know in a collaboration you know we're gonna raise ten thousand dollars for said community members and then you end up raising 30 you know thousand uh-huh. you know or something like that like you then get to be more creative with excelling in your goals and that's not that shouldn't I feel like that should be stressful right like that should be joyful I think yeah that's what I'm saying is spreading the joy mm-hmm. right because I think that at some point when you let that to be stressful for you, it's kind of like, oh, we, we, we weren't going for 10,000 and we did 30,000. Oh my God, next year I have to do more than 30. I think that probably the stress of it is so much that you will feel like a failure if you only were able to rest 10 at that time, even though 10 was your initial goal. Right. Right? So I think that is not, I think it's about a matter of keeping in perspective that. You know when success, like in in the 30 or in my 300, you know? (laughs) (laughs) When success happens is, you know, kind of like smile, laugh, take it as a something positive that could repeat itself or or it cannot. You know, like in your case, you could do it for next year. In my case, I didn't repeat it again. Right. Right? And how powerful is that, though, to know that some things are not meant to be done again or some things can be done again, but just not by the same people? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like also being realistic. I think I'd, um, I would add to that, that the fact that you were able to succeed or to achieve that goal and overpass it, that doesn't mean that later on you are up for that same amount of work right Right. because certain things happen certain things in your life or certain things with the group that you were working with that is just not working anymore or you know it's just the same sponsorship is not there who knows right but i think it's a matter of keeping it realistic that you could try again but do not beat yourself up if it doesn't happen again at the same amount of success that you wanted it right and in that i think what i'm what i'm feeling inside is almost the ability to surrender to the circumstances yeah you know because the circumstances this year are different than they were last year and i mean we both know like (laughs) everyone everyone listening knows that how circumstances change so you know i think that's so powerful with you say you know with you saying perspective and you know and then ultimately you're being kind to yourself too yeah yeah because how would i how would i call it and i think that this is something that has clicked with me just fairly recently to be honest um just trying to live by whatever you used to do before sometimes it just doesn't work sometimes it just doesn't work and you have to realize when when it doesn't work so that you don't try to you know like how would you say in English, kill yourself in the process of right. making it work versus just, you know, modifying your expectations, be realistic with the situations that are happening right now, make the best of what you can with what you have, right? So that, that would be it. That right. would be it. Um, 
we are we're out of time. Oh, and this okay. was so powerful. Like this was, and listeners, yes, there was background noise a little more than normal, but I hope that this was worth it because what just happened in this conversation, I have goosebumps from. So I hope oh, you are you. like, I hope listeners, you have the same feeling. Um, I have one last question for you before okay. we leave. Where, where are you sitting now after we've had this conversation? Like, is anything? any excitement in you did it bring any joy did it bring any ahas any questions specifically joy, with collaboration joy and aha joy and aha um the joy because it just um it just brought me up to that moment where i was having so much fun like if i say it as a collaborative project i was having so much fun that every little piece of it it was just great to do it you know it was not like oh my god do i have to roll this thing again <laughs> oh, you know here we go to the hundredth one you know no it was not like that it was like oh hundred great you know so it was just looking at like it brings me joy to see it that way and then the aha moment was to see about even though we selected you know like as you said democratically the groups yeah who was going to do what now that I think about it, we were indeed maximizing the skills of everyone because they knew I was not a great cook, right? <laughs> they knew I could boil potatoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so they gave me a task. They knew I could not really mess up, right? right? <laughs> and then my other friend did the masa, which is because she was amazing. She's amazing at that. So I think that my aha moment regarding collaboration, it was that, nobody volunteered for something they knew they were not good at and we were just you know like came up being great oh my gosh and that's the lead into a whole nother conversation about how to select a team but we'll leave yes. that we'll leave that <laughs> for another 20 minute collaboration Catalina, thank oh you so God. much. Thank you so I adore much. You. Oh this was so much fun. Oh, oh my gosh. God. I have a feeling that the listeners are going to love you as much as I do. So I, I hope that they're going to like it and uh, enjoy empanadas anytime that you can. <laughs> Get yourself some empanadas. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> I know I say it every week, but wow. Seriously. Oh my gosh. I, these people that happen to me in my life, as you know, this first year I'm focusing mostly on my community of people to interview and oh, they're all so inspiring and so, such big change makers in this planet. It's phenomenal and I'm honored to call them friends and fellow community members. We got into a couple things that I really talk about in this collaboration book that's coming out later this year in my in my collaboration framework. One is the bust your ass moment. And sometimes in, in collaborations, we know what our task is. We don't need to have meetings. We don't need to talk further about it. Just put your head down and bust your ass on what your tasks are doing. It's so important. And yes, if you do need to connect with someone or, you know, have a referral or something it shouldn't take a three-hour meeting it should be quick and concise i really loved also the democratic delegation if it comes so organically and people already know what they're good at and what they can volunteer for then why make it why spend any more time and energy 
on doing that work in the delegation while also bringing more people to, that you need to the collaboration. Catalina said a couple things in there about comfy and how the comfy is not always great and we need to make sure that we're identifying when things are too comfortable. And then she went into the facilitator stuff and I know I asked her to say it twice, but I'm gonna say it one more time right now. The facilitator being able to tune into the skills of each person to maximize on the project Wow, I could there not be a more important reason to have the facilitator. And it just creates the success that much bigger. But really we got to the end and where when a collaboration does even better than we anticipate, how do we share that joy with people and find the joy and know that collaboration is fun. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'm loving where this journey is going with you and with the people we're interviewing. Next week, I believe I'm going to have a combo with a brunch that I had a while back with my friends Alex and Dan, and we're just going to share both of those podcasts at the same time. So until then, have a great week. I hope all your collaborations are going as swimmingly as possible. Bye. You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey-gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.